episode 332. Whatever money we make, let's put into a scholarship fund and let's give it away to kids who need the money. Two-thirds of the money that we raise every year goes to kids who want to become technicians. And because that's where the need is, they need the help. And so over the years, as I say, we have over 3,000 kids uh, who have benefited. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, hello, and welcome to the Automotive Aftermarket's Remarkable Results Talk Radio and to episode 332 with legacy aftermarket professional Mort Schwartz. You may recall that I was honored with the Mort Schwartz Excellence in Education Award from the Auto Care Association in 2017. It is only fitting that I bring you one of the most vibrant voices of the aftermarket to my audience. It was an honor to get to know Mort and to hear his wisdom and value his accomplishments in helping shape our aftermarket. Besides talking education, scholarships, and the service professional, and his view of the future, you'll also get a great history lesson on the evolution of our aftermarket as Mort was in the thick of it, pulling and pushing levers as we progressed. Hey, Carm Capriato here thanking Federal Mogul Motor Parts for their support of the Aftermarket's award-winning premier podcast. They are the reason you enjoy these great aftermarket interviews. You know the brands. You've embraced them for years. Moog, Felpro, Wagner Brake, Anco, Champion, Seal Power, FP Diesel, and more. They're the parts text trust. Get more information on these brands and the great programs for you at fmmotorparts.com. Hey, welcome new Facebook friends of the podcast. Larry Broussard, Mandy Bradshaw, Brian Bowker, Sunil Patel, and Brian Cease. And my newest LinkedIn connections, Cassandra Dore, Todd Fleming, and Bill Orsborn. Thanks for every social connection you've made to the podcast. Connections easy. Remarkable. Results.biz slash social. You know, and I love to hear from you. I read every email because I want to know what's on your mind, what you like about the podcast, who you'd like to hear from, topics we need to discuss on the Town Hall Academy, and if the stories have impacted your life and your business. Your emails are the fuel for the engine of educational value of Remarkable Results Radio, so don't hesitate. Sit at the keyboard or tap in an email on your smartphone. It's Carm at RemarkableResults.biz. The podcast is available on so many listening apps, and I always appreciate your subscription. I know you'll love my app if you don't have one favorite of your own. It's available on your Apple or Android app store. Just search for Remarkable Results Radio. Download and start enjoying over 350 audio learning storybooks where aftermarket wisdom reigns. Now, meet Mort Schwartz, partner at Schwartz Advisors, an M&A advisory company. Now, when I was awarded the Mort Schwartz Excellence in Education Honor in 2017, I made it my goal to get to know Mort Schwartz. We met at Apex 2017, and it felt like we were old friends. That's how Mort is, a super down-to-earth person who has done plenty to shape our industry. I approached this interview with a legacy mindset to highlight the history and growth of our industry, but to also look at Mort's view of today and the future. He shares for you an important acronym called CASE, C-A-S-E, that he says will shape our future. For years, Mort had a large influence with the way parts got to market. He was one of the original founders of CarQuest, a former chairman and CEO of Strauss Discount Auto, Import Parts of America, Thermo King of Northern California, and Chancellor and Lion. He is currently a trustee at the University of the Aftermarket Foundation. He was a past director of WorldPAC, Illinois Auto Electric, 
and Thermal King of Northern California, chairman of the APAA, AWDA, and CAWA, and also founder of the Global Automotive Aftermarket Symposium and inducted into the Automotive Hall of Fame October 2008. Other awards include AWDA Man of the Year, MEMA Triangle Award, APAA Executive of the Year, AWDA Lifetime Achievement Award, and Automotive Hall of Fame Distinguished Service Award. I've listed more distinguished positions and honors of Mort on the show notes page. Now, find those and the talking points of our interview at remarkableresults.biz slash E332. Also, find a link to the University of the Aftermarket Foundation Scholarship, and don't hesitate to consider someone you know to apply. A highlight of Mort's work is with the Global Automotive Aftermarket Symposium, GAAS. Now, after 19 years, GAS was combined with the University of the Aftermarket Foundation to provide scholarships to young students who want to enter the aftermarket. Mort is happy to report that up to two-thirds of the awards go to students who are enrolling in the automotive trades. Now, on the show notes page, find a link to the University of the Aftermarket Foundation scholarship and don't hesitate to consider someone you know to apply. Mort realized years ago that the service professional needed support, marketing, inventory, service, and training from their supplier in order to drive their success. And so much of what we have today in our industry is because Mort was there. Now listen to Mort Swartz, another aftermarket legacy interview. Hey, a warm welcome to Mort Schwartz, co-founder and partner at Schwartz Advisors. Hello, Mort. Good morning. Honored to be here with you. You're an aftermarket leader, uh, inducted into the Automotive Hall of Fame, a champion of automotive aftermarket education, uh, an unbelievable volunteer that's made a huge difference in our industry. And, and I still believe to this day you continue to have the pulse of what's going on in our industry. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I, I like to observe what's going on, and there's a lot of things going on. That's what's so exciting about this industry. There are always changes. Yeah, I know. And, and, and you're, thanks for being so humble. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put a list of all of your great positions and accomplishments on the show notes page of this episode, and I really encourage our listeners to go out and, and, and take a take a look at what Mort has done throughout his career in the industry. And uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about doing this interview with you, Mort, because I classify you as a legend in our industry. And you've had the opportunity to see the evolution of our industry over so many years. And, you know, where we are today is because of what happened yesterday. Can you cite some pivot points throughout the decades, uh, you know, that have really helped shape, uh, shaped our industry? Well, uh, I do go back a few years. <laughs> when I first got into the industry in the 60s, coming from a WD point of view, there was a lot of manual processing. We would post inventory records on Cardex files. You remember those, don't you? I do. Herman? I do, sir. Yes. <laughs> and let me, let me stop you for a moment and, and tell the young listeners a WD means a warehouse distributor. And there were channels of distribution. A manufacturer would sell to a warehouse distributor who would sell to a jobber who would sell to the shop. Yeah. So we call that three or four steps of distribution. And everything was very uh, paper intensive. And the first big innovation um, was computerized inventory control. A company by the name of Triad, Sure. started it where we could post 
ins and outs and records and do forecasting and, in fact, do some accounting on a computer. Uh, and that was a big, huge step forward. That was 60s, 70s? I mean, that was that was big moves. Yeah. More. do you remember how big those computers were? Oh, huge. <laughs> they were huge. Uh, <laughs> we had a whole department with a false uh, floor and lots of wiring and key punch operators. And uh, it was huge. But... Over time, they over time they they kept improving the technology. Let me show my age to you: a hundred and fifty megabyte disk drive (laughs) in my my realm of influence weighed about three or four hundred pounds. Yeah, amazing to where we are today. And today we send a hundred and fifty megabytes over the internet in probably a minute or less. Yes. Yes. Unbelievable. So, uh, but but it was also really tight back then, wasn't the WD sold to the jobber? They didn't skip around, and it was a very succinct distribution channel. It was, and each WD did his own uh, marketing, his own uh, purchasing, and in California, where we were located, uh, we catered to that uh, uh vehicle distribution. So import parts, as an example, um, was an important part of our uh, offering because down at the shop level, they were working on Volkswagen, on Toyotas, on Nissans. And so we had to supply those parts. And we had a tough time getting those parts from our typical domestic uh, manufacturers. So tell us the story, because I know you were very instrumental in bringing import parts to the distribution channel. Um, take us back to, to when you said, hey, we got to do this. Because of the fact that we were missing business, and all of a sudden, there were these distributors like Beck Arnley, Bapgeon, IAP, a lot of small companies that catered to niche markets for certain automobiles, primarily the Volkswagen in those days. And we said, we're missing a lot of business, so we better get into it. And so we started buying from some of those same sources, and we started innovating with our domestic suppliers and said, hey, you better get into this. And one of our manufacturers, Marimont, actually started a company called World Parts. Um, And they started selling sourcing parts from OEs, and that's how we became uh, a better supplier to our jobbers and in turn to our uh, shops. Well, you're bringing me back to uh, to think now. Now you're really, wow, the gray cells are moving here, Mort. Uh, I remember World Parts. Wasn't there a company called Ludwig? Oh, yes. Yes. Um, Dana Corporation acquired that company um, and then NAPA acquired that company. And they were specialized in German parts as the name Ludwig it's great to have <laughs> would more imply. A serious wow. So, so interesting. Um, you're just hey, mentioning the word more. consolidation. A serious listeners of the body yeah, bought this person, this person. Consolidation has been going on forever. Forever. Yes. But uh, the second big uh, step in the evolution, if you will, um, was in the 70s and 80s when we got into program groups. As a WD, I had the ability to buy parts, but if I joined with a couple of other WDs, um, we formed a program group uh, and we could buy better, 
we could have more influence over the manufacturers. The manufacturers held the key to the business. They held the power. That's where the seat of power uh, resided. Because, for example, if I wanted to uh, sell Monroe shock absorbers, uh, you had to be one of the chosen few. Um, but being part of a program group, we could say, well, we have a little power now, uh, the WDs. So the emergence of program groups helped in transferring some of the power from manufacturers to WDs. And that helped us. That was part of a consolidation. And then if you were part of one of that group and you decided to sell your business, well, one of the other folks would inherit it. What was the first program group you were a member of? I was a member. I was a third member of CarQuest in California. Uh, we were the CarQuest uh, distributors. Many other bumper to bumper, uh, federated, uh, and all the others started forming uh, in the late seventies, early eighties. There was, as a WD, you had to belong to a program group. Was it all really about buying power, or was there more? It was buying power, it was marketing, it was sharing thoughts about how to run the business with other folks. So that really was the impotence of helping each other grow and become more successful. Exactly, exactly. The power of people getting together and coming up with ideas of how to run the business better. So take us to the 80s and 90s. Well, uh, from the 80s and 90s, another interesting development evolved. There was this distributor uh, who was part of a group called the Alliance in Springfield, Missouri, a company called O'Reilly. And they were selling to jobbers, and all of a sudden they said, you know, we have more control over the way things go by owning our own stores. And the O'Reilly store is the greatest example of someone with vision who said, if we control our own destiny by selling to our own stores, we enhance our profitability, we had a better offering, and we're a better supplier to our customers at the shop level. But interestingly enough, along the way, they said, maybe we should sell to, any, to the do-it-yourselfer. And so even today, they have what is called the ideal mix of DIY and DIFM. So O'Reilly set the stage for other distributors to scratch their heads and say, maybe we should own some of our own stores. And almost every WD uh, pursued that course to some degree. But O'Reilly is the greatest example of someone who diversified the industry and set the pace for owning their own, quote, jobbers. So people want to grow up today and be like O'Reilly's. That's right. That's right. That's the model. That's right. Yeah. That's the model. That's the store, the store, the combination, service, professional, and DIYer model. Yes, yes. Well, they were they were way ahead of their time. And then the 90s and the, the early part of the millennial, uh, we, had, uh, we had two-steppers come around a lot. Yeah, well, technology drives a lot of aspects of life uh, in every business. And there was a little company in the import parts business who said, my God, uh, manufacturer to distributor to jobber to installer, that's a lot of steps. 
why don't we buy from manufacturers and use our knowledge of import parts and buy OE parts and just sell it directly to the shops. So we call that a two-stepper. And a company called uh, WorldPack, which is an amalgamation of three or four companies in the import part business, said, we're going to start selling direct to installers and bypass this WD. You could call us a WD or a jobber or a combination of both. And that set the pace for two-steppers. And that trend is still continuing. I'm talking with Mike Zralik, a technical product specialist with Federal Mogul Motor Parts. Mike, are you an extension of the technical support center we all know as Garage Guru? Most definitely. You know, I spend a lot of time there. Um, I'm involved in all the classes that go on there. I actually host classes there, such as our ASC test prep courses. Um, So very much so an extension of that. Mike, you're in the shop. So what's the greatest outcome that you see from the techs and service advisors that you're spending time with? Not only are they learning about great product, but we get to talk shop. So like, you know, I was in a shop earlier today and we were talking about some electrical diagnosis he was doing and he was actually having a problem finding some schematics. And we were able to work with that and talk back and forth. So I was able to get educated on a problem he's having in the field, you know, where I can share that with others and and I can share other ideas from other people with him. Do you actually put product in the hands of the technician's you have to. That's, you know, in, in this industry, a lot of guys are like myself. You got to touch it, feel it, play with it. You know, just telling them about features and benefits isn't going to sell it. You put it in their hands, that's going to sell it hands down. So you take the new Wagner OEX brake pad and you put it in someone's hands. What, what happens? First thing they do is say, wow. Uh, you know, and they, then they start asking questions about the unique design of it, the unique shape, and, and the purpose of that. You know, and they're very blown away by the technology that we put into it. They're amazed by it, and they're they're loving it. Eyes light up, aha moments. You bet, you bet. And why is it taking so long to get this out in the market? And I need them, and I want it right now. Exactly. Federal Mogul Motor Parks' Garage Gurus is your go-to source for the vehicle training, technology, and answers you need to keep your next job on track. On-site, online, or on-demand, the gurus are here to help keep your business and your career on the road to success. Visit fmgarageguru.com. I learned uh, along the way, Mort, that uh, all these channels of distribution... If you didn't provide any value in the channel you're in, then no one, you know, wanted to buy from you. So you, you know, there's there's a cost in every every one of the levels. So if you couldn't yeah. if you couldn't put money up for the value that you were looking to get, the margin you needed to charge, you were going to go away. Absolutely, and that's still continuing till today. No, no doubt, we are in a oh an unbelievable consolidation mode. Who's this been good for? It's been good for the ultimate consumer and the shop owner because uh, one, uh, alongside uh, WorldPack, and as I say, uh, technology drove a lot of that. Today, uh, the capability of the installer to buy parts and get the right parts and do everything through the computer and have access to inventory seven days a week, 24 hours a day is amazing. In the old days, you may recall, 
um, uh, a shop owner or a service tech or a service advisor would call the jobber and say, do you have a part four? And the jobber would go through a list, a book uh, of parts, a parts manual. It says, yeah, I've got that part and I'll send it to you. And now that shop, that installer can look it up directly uh, on a computer and get the right part. Uh, because as you know, um, sometimes the wrong part and the wrong application comes along. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it maybe took five minutes, maybe even eight minutes back in the day to flip, to open, to look, to walk to the shelf, to find the part to come <laughs> and say that I have right. it. And today, right. and today it takes all of 30 seconds. Uh, you know, God, amazing. And, and when we think back, you know, this is a great story. And I guess the, the industry became as strong as it has because we committed a long time ago, Mort, that we were going to fix people's cars in, by the end of the day. Yes, yes. We're the only industry that provides that kind of service. If you want your TV repaired, your refrigerator repaired, your washing machine repaired, I'll be out Thursday at uh, 2 o'clock, between 2 and 5 yeah. Yeah, but I have this. I have. I have people coming. I've got this roast. We're going to make prime rib. We're going to. What do I do? I will be there Thursday. Sorry. <laughs> right. Right. No, it's amazing. I mean, the refrigerator. I mean, they. They always said that you know the, the vehicle has made us a mobile society, and I mean, it is. It is. Um, is our freedom. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the greatest examples of freedom, where you can get in the car. And, and drive anywhere as you want and know that your car is serviced. If you have something wrong with it, you bring it uh, into a shop in the morning and have it ready by five. There's no other service uh, that's available like the automotive aftermarket. How proud we are to be in this great industry that solves people's transportation problems. And it's exciting and it's challenging when you think of the complexity of all the different cars and all the different parts that go into a car and a car model changes every year. Hmm. It's amazing. Hey, were you ever a person that you'd, you know, drive around, uh, you're on the road, you're driving and you look and you say, Ooh, that's something new. I've never seen it before. You, you always keep like the, the brand and the model in the back of your mind. Oh yeah. <laughs> and now my 12 year old grandsons are saying, you know, we want this car and oh. we want that car. I, I understand. Hey, Mort, let's talk a little bit about the future. Um, connected cars, autonomous cars, ride-sharing, electric cars. H how do you, how is you, Schwartz uh, Advisors, looking at this? And if anyone picks up the phone and says, hey, Mort, what should I be thinking about? Thinking about all those things. But in a way, when you think about the aftermarket, there are changes that have taken place all the time. Uh, the technology and the drive for improvement has been part of our DNA. So when we talk about connected cars, autonomous cars, electric cars, it's another change. And when I listen to your town hall academy, mm -hmm. uh, some of the folks there talk about adapting yeah. to that. Yeah. Uh, because some of the customers one day are going to say, I just bought an electric car and I'm having a problem. Can you fix it? Oh, no, 
I don't do electric cars. That guy is not changing with the times. You have to adapt. So all these new items um, are going to be part and parcel of the DNA. That's why it's so exciting to go into this industry. When you talk about people coming into the industry, and why should you come into the industry? Well, if you want a dull job where you're going to do the same thing year in, year out, uh, that's your choice. But if you want to go into an industry where every aspect of the industry is going to change over time and you have to keep up, and even if you're 40 years old or 50 years old or 60 years old, you're going to be excited about what comes next. And you keep your vision uh, to what the changes take place. So those people who pursue that are going to be successful. I, I love your attitude, and, and it is the exact right one to have. Our industry has been resilient. Can I say that word? Is that, is that a good word to say that we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're bending, we're changing, we're adopting, we're accepting? And you bring up a great point. The hybrids, electrics, you got to be in it. Yeah, got to be in it. Got to be in it. Well, God, back in the day when you started... And you, and you see where we are now. I don't think you'd be such uh, an incredible influence on our industry if you didn't have that futuristic attitude. Bring it on. I'll, I'll, I'll take it, right? Yeah, yeah. Going back to the program groups and sitting around with other folks, uh, I think that's part of the uh, way you think about the future. Um, and be it at the shop level or any level, Getting together with people in the industry and talking about it is something that just challenges you. Uh, when someone brings up hybrids, well, how are you going to take care of hybrids? Well, talking around it sparks the ideas in your mind of how you're going to run your own business. More great, great points. Um, how do you see the future shaping up um, regarding the power of the service professional sector with all the consolidation that seems to be going on at the Bay level? Well, as I mentioned before, the power used to be at the manufacturer's level, then at the distributor level, and then at, at, at the jobber or store level. Mm -hmm. And the power today, in my opinion, uh, resides at the service level. Uh, a well-run, a dynamic shop owner uh, has his choice of where he's going to get his parts and where he's going to be serviced. He has that opportunity and it's up to those folks, be it a, a two-stepper or a three-stepper or an Amazon. We didn't talk about the influence of internet ordering that's there, has the power to decide how he's going to be serviced. And he does that based upon capability, integrity, uh, and, and getting the right, it's the old cliche, the right parts at the right time at the right price. They're going to have to be a much better business person. Oh, yeah. They're going to have oh, to be a much better, bring a great, strong culture to their businesses. I mean, we're not, we're, the surviving in the future is not going to be business as usual, is it? Right, right any advice to give our listener? Well, I hate to bring up Whirlpack again. I talked about technology and I talked about the fact that 
they make it so easy for an installer to buy the right pots at the right time. But in addition to everything else, uh, they run a lot of training programs. So as they see the new vehicles, as they see the changes, they immediately run a number of training programs. And the whole aspect of training is so much different. Education is so much different today than it was in our old days. In our old days, a factory guy would come and um, have a five o'clock session and you have a drink and then he'd make a presentation. And by the time you're finished, you're you're not sure what he said or you, you absorb it. Maybe he was trying to sell me something. I know. Right, right, right. Well, today, um, the training is anything from sitting at a, a, at a at a TV monitor to look at what the factory has to offer, to online training, to uh, doing a lot of work by webinars, uh, by podcasts. Uh, so training today has become very sophisticated and you have to keep up and because the models change every year, yeah. there's something yeah. different every year. And so you have to have the best vehicle to inform your techs of what you need to know. Great advice. And you, you know, you, you t- you're talking training right now with me and you have been so responsible over the years for scholarships, over 1,400 students have been beneficiaries of the work of the Global Automotive Aftermarket Symposium, GAAS, GAS. Uh, you founded GAS as a forum where leaders in the aftermarket shared their points of view and perspective. Uh, they would, you, you, you raised all incredible, I, I think it was what, 1.4 million uh, while GAS was around? Well, let me uh, make a update. First of all, uh, we've given over 3,000 kids scholarships over the years. And I'll tell you how we started it. There are many companies, consulting companies, research companies who offer seminars and programs. And over the years, I was asked to talk about certain subjects at some of these programs. I paid my way to those seminars. I paid my room. And in return for my making a one-hour presentation, they said, I can come to this conference for free. And a couple of us were talking one day, and we said, why should we let outsiders do this? Why can't we do this ourselves? And so a group of us got together, and we said, we're going to form our own industry forum uh, because we know what to ask. We know who to ask. And whatever money we make out of doing this, and it's an all-voluntary program, whatever money we make, let's put it into a scholarship fund, and let's give it away to kids who need the money. Two-thirds of the money that we raise every year goes to kids who want to become technicians, um, and because that's where the need is. They need the help. Uh, And so over the years, as I say, we have over 3,000 kids uh, who have benefited. And over the years, the Global Symposium, uh, we ran it for 19 years. uh, And then we decided to combine it with the University of the Aftermarket Foundation, who had a source of funds. um, And so now we give probably two to 300 kids a scholarship every year. 
because we have more funds uh, to provide for that. Um, as many as we give, we unfortunately have to turn down. Uh, but we look for kids who seem to have the aptitude, the interest, um, kids who work on cars, kids who have part-time jobs, uh, working in various segments of the automotive aftermarket. And so uh, it, it's, I think it's one of the greatest accomplishments we can, we can all uh, be happy about. Thanks for the spark of doing that and uh, 3,000. Um, so if anyone was interested in the scholarship, where would they go to? Uh, go online, automotivescholarships.com. Perfect. Wow, I love it. That's a great URL. I love it. We look for kids who have that aptitude and that interest. More, you received an honorary Doctor of Laws degree from Northwood University, and there's a Mort Schwartz Fellowship that's awarded to students studying automotive aftermarket management. What would you say to a student interested in joining our industry? If you are interested in an exciting business, a challenging business, that um, uh, one that uh, keeps you on your toes every day of the week, where you can see the results of your efforts almost immediately, this is the industry for you. This is an industry where you ultimately can own your own business. You don't necessarily have to work for a big company. You can, but you can ultimately own your own business. And that's part of what makes our country so great. The opportunity to, to, to come to the United States, to grow up in the United States, to work on an exciting piece of freedom through the automobile and have the opportunity to know something about freedom and freedom and owning your own business. What can be better? Thank you so much for that. And you're right. Um, I, I'm at this interesting point uh, in my lifetime and my career to realize that if we're going to continue the success of this great, beloved automotive aftermarket, we need to encourage people to get into business, to fix cars. Right. Right. And there are right. so many. Um, you, I don't know what survey you read more, but 55 to 60 years old is, is the average age of a shop owner today. And the succession plans aren't in granite yet. Some of them don't even have a clue what they're doing. Point is, there are so many good technicians that understand the industry that they could become, uh, you know, ideal candidates for a succession plan inside of a business. Many people that are currently working inside shops could really own it someday. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and so thank you for that encouragement. I'm talking about this more than ever. But uh, today, it isn't as easy as it was when your current boss, for example, got into business. Uh, it's it's harder than ever to be, you know, in business today. And so you can't just take the fact that you're good fixing cars it means that must mean you're good at running a business. And they're two different things. When you talk about coming into the business, I recently had a very pleasant experience. Um, a neighbor of mine said. Um, their son is in high school and that high school fortunately has a shop automotive shop program and my son has no interest in going to college he loves working on cars he's a pretty good student would you talk to him 
because I want him. I'm a college graduate. My husband's a college graduate. Uh, he works for a big company. Unfortunately, he recently, uh, there was a consolidation and uh, we didn't want to move to um, the other side of the country. So he's looking for a job. And my husband is trying to influence my son that he has to go to college because needing a college education is important. So I talked to this young man and he was so enthusiastic about he and the buddies in his class about rebuilding an engine and maybe going to work for a company that you will know. And he goes to the SEMA uh, Las Vegas show every year on his own just to see what's going on. And he says, I want to work on cars and I want to own my own business one day. And my father doesn't understand that. Would you talk to him? <laughs> so instead of me talking to the kid, it ended up with me talking to the father and saying, you know, this young man has a plan and he's going to UTI and he's applied for a scholarship. I don't know the results of it yet, but I'm sure he's going to get one of those scholarships. And um, he has a plan to work uh, in a shop for a couple of years and then ultimately own his own business. I love it because you, you had me you, you had me on the edge of my seat as I was listening to your story because you were recruited to convince him not to. On, and to go to college. And to go to college until you heard his story. And in effect, he is going to college because UTI and other programs like that Aren't they the same? Yeah, yeah, they they are. Uh, he's going to college for what he passionately wants to do. Exactly. There's, there, you know, exactly. and, and when you when you can connect, Morton, you know this better than I do. When you can connect your passion and actually do the do it as a career, you never work a day in your life. That's right. Someone That's right. someone recently said, and I don't know, it, it was probably a very famous author that says, "If you had all the money in the world, would you still do what you do?" And if the answer is yes, then you found your passion. Yeah. And you found your exactly. passion. I, I love it. So go tell my dad. Go tell my dad I'm not going to go to school. I'm going to be a technician. Well. Did, did you uh, talk did to talk, the dad? Did you talk to the dad? I did talk to his dad. Yeah. And at first his dad was saying, well, but yeah, but yeah. And then by the end of the time when I convinced him that the opportunity to own your own business, he thought for a moment. He said, I wish I had that opportunity when I was in high school. I said, it's never too late. <laughs> you, know, you know, that is such a, a great option in, in our industry is to own your own business someday. But Mort, you know this better than anyone. The opportunities in the automotive aftermarket are huge. Yes. They're huge from the parts side to the marketing side to the engineering side to the, you know, the operation side. So many young people... Um, I think when they finally realize when it's time to get out, and even if they're going to be a technician, they they can stay in this industry, and then yep. and, and very possibly say, eh, you know, I, I like it, but I don't. But you know, I met someone over here, and there's an opening. It's it's we're 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 one of the fourth or fifth largest GDPs in in our country. It's a, it's a big industry with a lot of opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. It's the greatest opportunity, I think, for anyone wanting to pursue a career instead of a job. Do you want a job? Fine. Do you want a career? That's a little different. And so uh, prepare yourself for the future. 
because you're going to be part of an industry where things change and where there always will be opportunities. Boy, I tell you, it's a big, big, big word. You just used the word change. Um, and think about the tech that is coming out every day. Think about the technician um, taking on a challenge of a vehicle that's just come in the shop and he's never seen the challenge before. And I guess if you love to do different things each and every day and you want to, you know, you really want to be part of a technical uh, industry, this is it. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, you were inducted into the Automotive Hall of Fame. What a great honor. Oh, how did it make you feel? It made me feel um, pleased uh, as an aftermarket guy. The Automotive Hall of Fame is uh, dedicated to the pioneers of the automobile. Uh, so it's very much uh, a um, OE organization. And fortunately, there were a few of us who said we had pioneers in the automotive aftermarket. And so we just kept knocking on the door and a couple of us got involved and we pointed out to people who should be honored. And uh, fortunately, uh, one day they said that uh, the things that we've done in education and scholarships is interesting because some of the kids who we give scholarships go to work for car dealerships. Uh, or they go to work for car manufacturers because that's where they want to pursue uh, a position. Uh, so they said, well, we want to recognize the aftermarket. So fortunately, over the years, um, there have been a few aftermarket people who have been uh, uh, recognized by the automotive hall. Well, congratulations. What a what an extreme honor. And uh, talk about education. Um when I was honored with the Mort Schwartz Excellence in Education Award from Auto Care in 2017, like you, I was just in total awe that uh, I, I was selected amongst uh, uh, what, what heck of a group. Uh, it's, it's your award. And uh, I, when I saw you at Apex this past year, I said, so where'd they come up with the award? And I think you said I may have missed a meeting. <laughs> but 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 you're too damn humble because obviously you've done so much work around education for our industry. And I'm not, I'm not even sure you get enough credit for all that you've done and the passion that you have for making sure that we're bringing up our youth and, and that we're targeting education uh, into the industry and making it uh, such, uh, you know, an, an important strategy to be successful. And, and I am so honored uh, to, to, to have gotten to know you and to meet you and to actually have your namesake award sitting on the office wall. Well... It's well-deserved because the, the work you do with the Town Hall Academy is amazing. At my point in life, unfortunately, I don't get out. I, the, some of the greatest pleasures I have is just walking into stores, walking into shops, uh, seeing what's new, seeing how guys are operating. I feel for the service sector. Uh, the small one or two bay shop owner has got a challenge. Uh, to keep up with the technology, the cost of doing business. So I love doing that. Uh, 
But at my point in life, I don't have the ability to go out as much as I can. But I watch as much as I can the Town Hall Academy. And I listen to the folks you bring. Uh, you do an amazing job. Well, thank you, Mort. Uh, so it's so good to hear you say that you love to visit shops. Oh, yeah. What's your message to the continued success for the service professional? Keep abreast. Uh, listen to your town hall academy. Just the ideas that are presented. It's the power of people getting together and sharing what they do. And that ignites ideas of how to run your own business. Uh, I talked about that in my early days as a WD and how we formed the program groups. And it's not only the buying uh, ability to buy parts at a better price, but the ability to share ideas about how to run your business. And just listening to your program on Fridays, you get it done. Wow. Um, I'm, uh, who would have ever thought, ever thought that I'd have a, a testimonial and a commercial from Mort Schwartz for the Town Hall Academy. Oh, my God. Uh, honored. Hey, what's next for Mort Schwartz? I use a funny example. When I went to college, and I did go to college, um, I loved sports. And I tried out for a couple of teams and never made it. I was never good enough. So the next best thing was becoming a cheerleader. And so I became a cheerleader because I love sports and I love participation and I wasn't good enough uh, to be on the team. So I became a cheerleader. And as I sit back now, uh, I say um, I may not be good enough at this point in my life to be as active as the younger people, but I can cheer on the industry. So my next step is I think I'm going to become a cheerleader for the industry. I so love it. Wow. What a, <laughs> oh. you know what? We, we wouldn't, there wouldn't be a better cheerleader than you. Wow. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I, I, I learned so much more than I had um, in the past about you. Uh, and again, I just want to encourage everyone to go to the show notes page. It would take a half hour to read all the past business positions that Mort's been in to see all the different industry positions that he shared from directors and chairmen and all the industry awards that you've won. And um, it's my it's my honor to, to have such a extremely dedicated legacy individual um, to do this interview with you to uh, to share with this great audience of ours um, something that they just didn't know about our great beloved aftermarket hey thanks for being on the show thank you thanks Tom hey thanks to Mort Schwartz for his great compliments on the podcast and for his contributions to the aftermarket to find more information on this legacy aftermarket professional visit the show notes page at remarkableresults.biz slash e332 every episode has a show notes page where you'll find the cliff notes now, let me say how honored I was to receive the Mort Schwartz Excellence in Education honor from the Auto Care Association in 2017. Now that I know the man whose name has been so honored as a champion of education in the industry, I realize the weight of this honor and will continue to work very hard in honor of the legacy of Mort Schwartz. Thank you, Mort. It's great to have Mort as a serious listener of the podcast. So how about you? 
Until next time, download my app from your app store, subscribe to the podcast, and tell a friend. And as always, listen to learn just one thing. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 